0: From KVLU Public Radio in Beaumont, Texas, this is Bayou Lands Talks, a companion podcast where we're sharing some of our favorite conversations with a wide range of guests that we've interviewed for the KVLU radio documentary series, Bayou Lands, a program exploring the people and places of Southeast Texas since 2016. I'm Shannon Harris. For this episode, we're sharing a conversation I had with Kyle Hood, a docent for the First Presbyterian Church in Orange, Texas, a historic place of worship since 1912. Our conversation first aired in 2016 during the premiere season of the Bayouland series. We hope you enjoy. I'm here in First Presbyterian Church, Orange, Texas, with Kyle Hood, one of the docents who leads regular
1: tours. Thank you for having us today. It's our pleasure. And it's it's a wonderful opportunity for us to show this beautiful building and tell about the woman who made it possible. This building was the dream of a woman named Frances Ann Robinson Lutcher. She was born in 1840 and uh, French Canadian background, grew up in Williamsport, Pennsylvania, married as a teenager to William Henry Stark, a local boy who was uh, the son of German immigrants. He worked as a butcher, and he also worked in the lumber mills there in Williamsport in the summer. Uh, w- after they married, he established one mill. Later as the hemlock crop began to die back, he and uh, his partner, G. Bedell Moore, decided to look south. So they uh, went to Louisiana and Texas looking for a new crop for them. They found it uh, when they uh, in the Sabine River area. It was the longleaf yellow pine. From there they went on to Houston, Dallas, Fort Worth, San Antonio, lining up customers, Once they found customers, then they went back and bought thousands of acres of land in Texas and Louisiana. Now, Henry Jacobs' money came from the 25,000 head of cattle that he had shipped from Texas to Louisiana, sold them for $2 a head in the period following the Civil War, and that's where he he... acquired his money to buy the land um in the about 1878 he decided he wanted to be on site with his mill which was located in orange So he, his wife, and at the time two daughters moved to Orange. There, uh, They built a home along the Sabine River. The home no longer stands, but the daughters each married local men. Uh, Miriam married William Henry Stark, who also had been someone with no money, grew up carrying mail up to Newton on horseback as a boy, then worked in the mill and worked his way up. Uh, to head the company. Then the other daughter, Carrie, married a Dr. E.W. Brown, who not only had a medical practice, but also was involved in the lumber business. So they, the three women and their husbands built their homes here in Orange. The Stark home that Miriam lived in still stands, although the home that La- uh, Carrie lived in has been torn down, as was um, Frances Ann's home, which was down in the Cove area. However, next in the vicinity in her yard, so to speak, uh, is where our current uh, Port of Orange building is, which was the last building of the uh, Lutcher Moore Lumber Company. This lumber m- company, of course, was acquired uh, in the 1970s by Boise Cascade and so no longer exists as that. But in 1893, Mrs. Lutcher, who was very devout woman, she and her daughters and husbands had established the Presbyterian Church here in Orange in 1878. And around 1893, the three women went to Chicago to the Columbian Exposition, which was the World's Fair at that time. The winning stained glass project was a set of three windows that were built by the Lamb Studio out of New York so from 1893 to 1908 Mrs. Lutcher worked with a Kansas City Missouri architect James Oliver Hogg on the design of the building and then with the Lamb Studio acquiring the things to go in the building the purpose of her building was to build a building to glorify God in it were to be only the finest of things. The wood of the pews, the uh, stained glass windows, the organ, uh, the bronze, the Italian marble, everything had to be the finest because only the finest would glorify God. Her premise on building this came from several passages in the Old Testament. Uh, Leviticus uh, is one. With the idea of the first fruits of the harvest, your very best is to be taken to the church. But uh, 1908, the work started on assembling the building. Everything was made elsewhere and shipped here. Now, the windows are quite interesting because they are um, there are uh, 16 windows that have scenes to do with Jesus' life. However, people don't realize that these are actually copied from paintings by European artists that Mrs. Lutcher saw in her travels. So the windows in the downstairs area in what is called the Fellowship Hall has four windows that show scenes for a child to understand. Uh, then the windows upstairs are also scenes to do with Jesus' life, but they are on an adult level the glass in them is very unique it is called opalescent stained glass which means that it has metallic oxide in it which gives it a glow as the light comes through stained glass windows are called living art because the light coming through the windows in the course of the day changes the colors and the textures that you see John Lafarge, an American floral painter, was the one who developed this opalescent stained glass. And it is America's contribution to the stained glass world. It was a glass only popular in the United States from the 1880s to the 1920s. The interesting thing about this building is that the style of architecture was not what was popular in the 1890s. That particular style was the Gothic with the idea of the pointed steeple with the cross on top that was pointing the way to heaven. This is Mrs. Lutcher's choice, and it was what she saw on her trips. It is called Modified Greek Revival, with a dome and porches and columns. Mrs. Lutcher had this building air-conditioned, which was very rare uh, even into the 1950s -hmm. in Texas, for sure. When did the church open to the public? The church opened in 1912. It was probably finished in about two and a half years, and then uh, she turned it over to the congregation that was 108 people at the time. And then the organ is not the original organ. This one is a Cassavant. It was put in in 1953. It it is from Saint Hyacinth, Quebec, Canada. And it's a magnificent 34-rank organ, which has been completely restored.
0: are so representative in the design of the church talk a little bit about the dome the windows yes. in the dome I think that is so unique and unusual
1: these are unusual in that there are 16 figures in the dome and they represent what mrs. Lutcher thought were Christian symbols. I would like to tell you just a quick few things about the glass in the windows.
0: Yeah. Particularly the glass in the dome is so striking because it, it gives you a feeling of rising into the heavens. <laughs> the the colors are
1: so wonderful. The glass is interesting in the figure's faces and features in that uh, it is too to three layers of glass. The rest of the windows with the opalescent stained glass is two to four layers of glass, and it's very difficult to tell exactly how many, but these windows are over a hundred years old, and they've withstood hurricanes and all with uh, no particular protection on them, so um, it they truly are magnificent. They It's not something that you run into mm-hmm. in many places. Mm-hmm.
0: And you refer to them as living
1: works of art. Living art. Yeah. Mm-hmm because they change. They do. They really do. Uh, at night, if you ever look at a stained glass window, you can tell the difference immediately because it doesn't seem to be alive. It doesn't have a vibrancy that the uh, looking with the light coming through provides you. I like to think of stories about people that make them come alive, just not names of birth and death and that type of thing. Well, Mrs. Lutcher was a, a, a lovely lady. Everyone I've ever was able to interview talked about how easy she was to talk to. You never felt that she was the wealthiest woman in town, which she was, because she never told anyone the cost of anything in this building. But uh, she was evidently a bit unsure about her her height than all around other people so if you ever see a picture of her with her family she's always seated you don't see her standing but a funny story was both of her daughters mary and carrie sang in the church choir and uh, their pattern was to go to New York to shop for clothes. Then they would bring them back and decide which things they were going to keep. Well, it so happens that Miriam uh, had uh, purchased a red hat, but for some reason didn't like it. So it was in her cast-off uh, pile. Well, one day, one Sunday, the two sisters were singing in the choir. And uh, the door opened, and Mrs. Lutcher walked in from the back. And she had this little red hat on, but she had it on backwards. And the two sisters just burst out laughing, which sounds funny to us. But at that time people were very serious about their worship service and so i'm sure that there were a lot of glares at the two sisters then the other story i thought was interesting was that uh, the marble that is in the uh, steps and the banisters of the building and then the communion table and the baptismal font uh, came from uh, the tuscany region of italy the carrara area and uh, the workmen who worked there in the quarry were the ones who cut the marble, polished it to the specifications for the banisters and the steps, and then wrapped it, put it on a ship, and they came with the ship. Now, this was during the period of probably 1909, 1910. And when they got here, of course, all of the material was unloaded. And when the point in the construction of the building reached putting in these steps and banisters, all of the other workmen beyond the Italian craftsmen were made to leave the building, and it was boarded up. Well, uh, they had, they were a guild and this was a handed down method of putting these steps in and doing the banister. Probably from the renaissance. Right. (laughs) And so I thought that was just a good story but long years ago I met an old man who had been a boy of eight and he told me that he remembered that. He said he was too young to get a job carrying water for the workmen, but he hung around to watch the construction and he said when the building was boarded up and the, the tower were in taking care of the steps and banisters he said all the kids were saying what are they doing in there they're doing something strange talking strangely and I thought it was a a funny story to remember about the with the work
0: I'm sure that was really exciting for the townspeople to watch the development and and building of this building
1: very interesting woman I've enjoyed learning about her and uh, Uh, really feel a a sense of uh, someone who really did a a, a wonderful thing with no self-aggrandizement I think would be a good word because she did this but it was to glorify God and don't put my name on it well thank
0: you so much for inviting us in today and sharing this information with
1: us it's been my pleasure and I hope that you'll come back and visit us thank you
0: Thanks to our guest for this episode, Kyle Hood. The First Presbyterian Church is located at 902 Green Avenue in Orange, Texas. For more information, go to firstpresorange.com or call 409-883-2097. If you enjoyed the conversation shared in this podcast, please remember to share and subscribe to Bayou Lands Talks wherever you find your podcasts. You can also listen on the NPR One app, along with other podcast offerings from KVLU. And join us on social media at 91.3 KVLU Public Radio on Facebook and Bayou Lands on Instagram. Bayou Lands Talks is produced in the studios of 91.3 KVLU Public Radio in Beaumont, Texas, by Shannon Harris and Jason M. Miller. Thanks for listening.